Turn with me for a few moments to Luke's gospel, the gospel of Luke. I'd like for you to look in chapter 13 and read with me verse 34 and uh, the first part of verse 35. Luke 13 and verse number 34 and the first part of verse number 35. I must tell you that this is one to me, uh, one of the most uh, moving verses to my soul as it pictures our Lord of any verse that, uh, that really I read in the scripture. There's just something about it that really stirs in my heart and triggers so many scenes in my mind. As I read these verses and the truth, uh, and I thought about it the other day, just drive along the road, I couldn't help but say in my own heart, I wish I were an artist. I am not. I wish I were. I envy those who have the ability to put on canvas the things that they see and they feel in their hearts and minds. But I think if I were an artist, I would attempt to draw on canvas this picture that it might forever be indelibly imprinted in all of our hearts. The picture of it is revealed in words like this in Luke 30, 13 and verse 34. And the verse says in the words of our Lord, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. There are eight, nine, perhaps ten particular things that I want to pass on to you, though I'll not take time to enlarge upon all of them, and yet I'm sure there is so much more in this verse that uh, we could use to bless our hearts and to enlarge our vision of this particular scene. In my mind, I envision the Lord Jesus, apparently, as Matthew places it during the Passover season, and I see him as he is seated now out on the slopes, perhaps, of the Mount of Olives. Beyond him, over the valley, lies that city of Jerusalem. It is the Passover season, and undoubtedly it is nighttime. The moon now, at this particular time of the year, has risen and shines in all of its golden splendor. But I see that form seated out there, perhaps on some protruding rock. And his eyes are gazing toward the city of Jerusalem. It's such an inviting scene at first. The sky above is dark but only illumined with the glory of that spectacular light in the sky. And I hear as I look at him seated on that stone looking over the city. I hear in the background the sounds of night creatures. Perhaps the faint song of a nightingale in the wind. And then that sound that pierces the air of a wild jackal and then beyond uh, floating over the winds from Jerusalem walls and down the valley and up the slope seem to come the sounds of the faint cry of an infant. And then upon the faint cry of an infant is heard the soft song and tune by a mother as she sings a lullaby. And soon the whimpering and the crying of a little baby subsides and only the sweet sound of a mother's voice is heard. I see our Lord as he sits there looking out over the city of Jerusalem. 
Though somehow hesitant, I yet want to draw nearer to him. And as I approach that scene, I'm alarmed and arrested by the sound of a sob. I hear the Lord Jesus as he weeps. And there's the moon still shines down. It seems to me I see a tear that glistens like a diamond on a rose petal reflecting the light of the sun. Jesus looking out over that city. And now I hear him speak. It's with quivering voice, voice that is filled with emotion, voice somehow that pierces my heart and would all of ours if we drew near. And I hear him crying these words, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stone those that I have sent unto you. And now his voice breaks even the more. And he says, how often I would have gathered you unto myself as a hen gathers her brood, her chicks, and yet you would not. And sadly, but now with a tone that speaks of terror, he says, and now your house is left unto you desolate. Look at the city for just a moment, if we will. As you look yonder in the, in the distance over the valley, you see the light shining from those little quaint windows of the houses. The flame of a candle flickers as the wind blows. But that city is known as Jerusalem. The word itself means the city of peace. But ah, how often, how very often, men, cities, and nations, and people do not live up to their name. I'm thinking now of Zacchaeus in the Bible. Do you remember the story well? Here's a tax collector, undoubtedly a dishonest man, a man who is despised by the inhabitants of his own city. And yet here is a man whose name, Zacchaeus, means purity. But God knows and we know as you read the record of sacred writ that he is anything other than pure. He is vile, he's sinful, he is a a wretched man, and yet how often as men so cities go, ah, city of peace, but there's no peace there. How oftentimes the lives of men are the same. We look at people and we think on the outside, everything is peaceful, calm, and they've got it all together, but down in the heart there's surgings like the turbulent waters and waves of the sea. So you see the city out there in front of you, but ah, look at the cry. Hear him as he says, oh, Jerusalem. In that little word, oh, I hear something of pathos, of of hurt, uh, of one who cries as if wounded by another. A soldier lad with bullet in in his body cries out the same cry, oh, a mother cries when she learns of the, of, the, of the sin and the dissipation of a son or a daughter and she cries, oh, there is a sound in it of wound, of hurt. And I believe I hear in this cry of the Lord Jesus the very same thing. Dr. G. Kelma Morgan said he thinks that in this very cry is heard the mother heart of our Father God. A mother's heart crying out because of what he sees, what he knows, and what he knows is coming upon the city of Jerusalem. And then I see not only the cry, but I observe the compassion of our Lord. Listen to him as he says, how oft, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood, but you would not. How often he cries, ah, the compassionate Savior. 
This is the city of people who has rejected him. They have despised him. They have scorned him. And even now, they're plotting for, for his death. And yet in all of that, the Lord Jesus, his heart goes out to them. He suffers with them. Instead of sometimes as we do when men who have abused us and mistreated us and rejected us and despised us, we wish for the same kind of hurt and harm to come in their life. But not Jesus. His heart overflows with compassion. He's suffering with these who are there. And I'm glad that indeed he suffers with every unsaved man, woman, boy, and girl. And yes, with every child of God here tonight who is wounded by sin, our Lord's compassion overflows and moves toward that individual. But say, I find here a curse. The curse of it all is heard in the words, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. Thou that killest the prophets. The very messengers of God who bore a message of peace, who bore the answer for their dilemma in life, who had the solution to their problem, who was the Savior indeed, and yet those messengers that he sends to them, they kill, they stone, they reject. No different today, is it not? Oh, men, do not throw stones at us today in this country at least as we preach the gospel, but the same reaction is there. Instead of heeding the message, there is hatred. Instead of receiving the message of the Son of God, that one is rejected. Instead of believing, men belittle him. And that's exactly what they were doing in Jerusalem. Instead of heeding the message of these prophets, they were hating them. Instead of their believing the message of the prophets of God, they belittled them and scorned them and stoned them and yes, even killed them, the verse says. So you see not only the curse, but look, if you will, at a fifth thought and that is the crushing, the crushing of the heart of our Lord. Somebody said nothing hurts so much as to go to someone and offer love and have it spurned. Nothing hurts any more than for one who loves another to be broken in heart because of the hypocrisy or the shallowness or the rejection of that one's love. And here our Lord, his heart is crushed crushed within him and I think yours, your heart and mine as well would be if we sat there looking at that same city. I wonder how often he looks upon us is his heart crushed? He offers his love to men. He offers his redemption. He offers his friendship. He offers his communion and yet men spurn that very love and crush the very heart of God. How often I've sat across the desk or in a room with someone whose heart is crushed. Someone has deceived them. Someone has broken their heart because of a love that has been, a, uh, that has been spurned and, and crushed and stepped on and spit upon. Oh, the Lord's heart was crushed. And then I see not only the crushing here, but I look again and I find the comparison that he makes. What a comparison he does make. Our Lord was familiar with earthly things. I'm glad he was of the common strain, aren't you? He knew what it meant to be a fisherman. He knew what it meant to be a carpenter in a carpenter shop. He knew what it meant to have a hurting back and an aching head at the end of a hard day's labor. And the Lord looked as well on the animals around and observed them for sure. 
And here are the comparison to Jerusalem and to himself and his desire for them. Notice he says, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wing. Did you ever see that? I, when I was a young fella in the, the FFA, and that's about the only organization outside of marriage and a Baptist church I've ever belonged to. But anyway, and uh, that FFA didn't prove out too well. But anyway, anyhow, uh, did you ever just watch an old hen, her little brood about her? A hawk flies over and she gives out a cry that says, danger. And then have you ever seen one of those little chicks just kind of wander away and, and all of a sudden your, your, your hearing is arrested by the peeps of that little chick and he just seems to cry and cry and mom stands there for a while waiting for that little chick to come and then sometimes if it doesn't come do you ever see that old hen just kind of pull the rest of the brood off in that direction and then when that little chicken gets up under the feathered wings of its mother you hear that certain sound that just says I'm at peace I'm warm now I feel safe. I feel secure. Oh, isn't that the picture of when we who all of our lifetime feel with a dread and fear of death and hell and the judgment and plague with our sin and knowing that it's going to bring the judgment of God and yet to hear our Lord, to use the same analogy, giving that gentle cluck as a mother hen and we hear that and respond, but ah, oh, how many people have heard that gentle little cluck and that call and they have refused to come. And out in this world, everywhere I go, out there where you work, the people you go to school with, there are those who are in fear and there are those who, though they've heard that call, they refuse to come and fear grows greater and greater and the danger for their lives grow even, even the greater. And then let me ask you to notice something else. And that's the choice that our Lord talks about here. He said, I would, but you would not. You see, the Lord wants to save men. He wants to bless them, wants to give the answer, wants to forgive your sin. But I want to tell you something, you have a choice, and that's so clear. Our Lord says in his word that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You have a choice. If a man dies in his sin by rejecting Jesus Christ and goes to hell, it'll not be because God wants him there, but it'll be because he's made a deliberate choice to refuse to hear that gentle calling as that old mother hen calls the brood to herself and the safety, ah, a choice is there. But as well, notice something else. Though that choice is presented every man, yet he utters a word of condemnation. He now talks about the condemnation that comes as a result of a man failing to come. I would, but you would not. You see, those who refuse to come to Jesus Christ are already condemned. You don't have to rob a bank, don't have to kill anybody, don't have to shoot dope, don't have to drink liquor, don't have to be immoral. The Bible said that men are condemned because they've not believed on the name of the Son of God. The cardinal sin of man is that rejection of Jesus Christ. And yet here is that condemnation comes. But I want to tell you this, and how glad I am I can tell you this. Do you remember John 3, verse 17? For the Son of Man is not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
The Lord Jesus doesn't stand over you condemning you. Not at all. Why, he's your savior. He came to save you. The condemnation of our life comes in that guilt of sin that has rejected Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, no man has to perish. No man has to avail. No man has to be lost. There's a choice that God gives every man. But hey, we couldn't pass from this picture, these verses without reminding you of the Christ. And he emphasizes it like this. How oft I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood under self. Myself, he said, I would gather you unto myself as a hen gathers her brood. That's the Lord's will for your life, to bring you to himself. Salvation, you see, is not a man adopting some kind of new philosophy or are kind of coming about and, and bringing his negative mind into some kind of positiveness. It is not some new kind of psychology. It is the person of Jesus Christ. And oh, if men could ever realize that salvation is in him, it's not joining the church. It's not getting ducked in the baptistry. It's not partaking of the Lord's Supper. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not joining the church or joining the lodge. It's coming to Christ. And oh, that's what he desires men to do, to come unto himself. Oh, he said often, I would have gathered you unto myself. That's the call. That's the ministry of our church. The ministry of every believer here tonight is to give forth that call for men to come to Christ. He said in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, those that hear, let them say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And the man who's thirsty, let him come. Let him come. The prophet Isaiah cried out, come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Oh, that men would come to Christ. Let me ask you a question personally. Have you ever come to Christ? Have you ever come to this person, this risen, resurrected Lord? Have you ever come to him? Or as you look back in your life, is all that you've ever done, you've come to a church? You've come to a ritual. You've come to a ceremony. You've come to a reformed kind of life, a different lifestyle. Oh, salvation is in none of those. It's in Christ. He that hath this Son, John said, has life. And he that has not the Son of God hath not life. But finally in this verse, look at the consequence he reveals. The, la- the, verse, 30, the, the verse number 35 that I read to you, the first part says... Your house is left unto you desolate. The word desolate comes from a word from the meaning in its primary sense, making quiet. And coming from that, there is the idea of lonely. The Lord Jesus said, you'll turn me away and now your house is empty, lonely, without one to care, without one to protect. Listen to me, folks. We don't have anyone that can fill our lives and give us protection and blessing and forgiveness if we, like Jerusalem's people, say no to Jesus Christ. Many a heart tonight is empty, lonely, desolate, unguarded, unprotected, uncared for because you've said no To this one who called, come unto me, come unto me. Let me feed your life. Let me ask you personally again. 
Have you let him fill your life? Oh, what, what emptiness there is in a man's heart who doesn't know Jesus. But when you let him in, he fills every vacancy of your life. Before I came to Jesus Christ, religious as the day is long, outwardly everybody look at me and say, oh, what a fine Christian boy. But deep in my heart, such an emptiness to the point that I had already made three different plans how to take my own life. So empty, so lonely, so desolate. But I'm glad since Jesus Christ came, oh, what a life it's been. And I want to tell you tonight, if you don't know a man, you don't know what you're missing. Oh, I can fill your heart. I can meet every need in your life. This resurrected, this living Lord Jesus who wants you to come to him so much. Oh, you say, Brother Walter, listen, he, 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 wouldn't, he, he wouldn't say that. And you wouldn't say that if you really knew me. Maybe I wouldn't. But he knows you. And still he says, come to me. Come to me. With all your sin, all your failures, all the misgivings, come to me. I'll take you. And like that old mother hen just spreads out her wings. And those little chicks just get up under there. And it's kind of purr. You ever hear that little sound that just says, hey, everything's all right. Oh, everything's all right. Is it right in your heart? I pray if not, you'll open wide and let Jesus come in. And if you're a child of God, if you're miserable, if you're a Christian, I'm going to tell you why. Often we all walk disobediently to him. We're not putting him first in our life. No wonder we're empty and miserable. He wants to fill you. You're all in all. Let's bow for prayer. Oh, that if you don't know Christ, that you'd come to know him. If you're not saved, that you'll trust him. Oh, that you'd say, yes, Lord Jesus, I hear you calling me. And I want you to, I want you, I want you to come into my life. I wonder how many folks here tonight to say, hey, I'm glad, I'm glad that he's in my heart. And like a little old chick, one day I heard his call and I found a place of refuge, of warmth, of protection, of safety under the shadow of his wing. If you have, can you say a wonderful thank you, Lord, but just lifting your hand up good and high. You're glad, you're glad. God bless you. Thank you, may take them down. If you haven't let Jesus in your heart and you know deep inside you do need him there, I'm not talking about joining a church, turning over a leaf, trying to do better, but you need Jesus. I wonder how many of you say, Brother Walter, I know I need Christ. And I know he wants to save me. And I've known that for some time. But I've just kind of gone in the other direction. He's called me time and again. I want you to pray for me. I need to be saved. If so, would you slip your hand up and take it right down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I honestly want to know how I can pray for you. How many of you? Anybody right here tonight, just slip your hand up quietly. Take it right down. Well, the first steps to salvation is to recognize we're a sinner, to recognize we need Christ. Someone, anywhere, just slip your hand up, take it right down. 
Is there a Christian then among us who'd say, Brother Walter, I'll tell you the truth. There are some things God talking to me about in my life. And I've been, oh, listen, I, I know him as my Savior, but I just run in the wrong direction sometimes, and I've gotten away from him. And, oh, I just, my life's miserable because I know I'm going contrary to him. Pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and take it down anywhere all over the building? All right, let's stand to our feet as we pray together. We're going to sing in a moment. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. I want you, if you know how to pray in your own praying ground, pray with me tonight. Heavenly Father, I have no power to save. I don't have any power to persuade men within myself. But Lord, I believe you've talked to hearts. And there are folks here tonight for whom we've prayed. And we pray again that you'd help them to come to know Jesus in a personal way in their life. Oh, that they'd know the joy, the joy of sins forgiven. Lord, the joy of the security that comes in knowing that if death were to come, heaven is my home. And then, Lord, some of your children here are, Lord, rebelling against your will and your word. Oh, help them to just make a complete surrender to you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed. Let's sing a stanza of Come Every Soul by Sin Oppressed. And as Carl leads us tonight, if you're here, oh, won't you hear that compassionate cry of our Lord? And I think as he looks at you tonight, you can almost hear him say, Oh, oh. And I believe he's warning to you tonight. Oh, that you'll come. Do it now. Make your way to the front here. Come and meet me right here. Give me a hand. Bow and trust Jesus the best you know how. If you're a Christian, you need to come make things right with the Lord. Do it. Let's sing it together, everyone.